and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about the Bright Line Test. I've got a great question here from Jan, who is a listener of the show, who said, Hi, Ed and Andrew, Jan here. It actually could be Yarn. You know, it's always hard with these names these days, is you don't know whether it's how you pronounce it. So it could be Jan, but it could also be Yarn. I've got a question about the Bright Line Test and inheritance. So if someone inherits or was gifted a property, does it reset the Bright Line Test? Thanks. And then they texted back and said, not me, just asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) In case the the IRD come checking, in which case it is Yarn. Yeah, yeah. That's, no, 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 it's not Jan, it's Jan, go, go see him. he's down the road. So let me ask you this, Andrew, what happens when you're gifted a property through inheritance? Well, if you get a property through inheritance, it is one of those exemptions, so it's not subject to the Brightline test, and that could include your parents' main home, plus any investment properties they might have. But often where people get tripped up, is when they acquire part of an inherited property. So let's say me and my brother inherit mum's property, and then I say, oh, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to buy you out. So it's a million-dollar property. I'm going to pay you out for 500K. And then in five years' time, I sell the property for 1.2. Well, the total capital gain is 200K, and it's not because, of course, the gain's based on the value of the property at the inheritance. Now, the half that I bought off my brother, that is subject to Brightline Test under me. So not for him, but for me, because I bought him out. So therefore, there's $100,000, 50% of the 200k profit, which is subject to Brightline. So let's say I earn 100k, then 80k of that gain is going to be subject to 33% tax bracket, but then the remainder 20% falls into that category of 39 cents because I'm now over the threshold and I go into the top tax bracket. So I pay 34,200 in tax total and Brightline test. We're not involving sales costs and stuff like that here. We're keeping it simple. So just over a third goes to tax. And I guess one of the things that's important to point out in this situation, let's say that you're an investor, you currently own a couple of properties, and you've got a couple of kids as well. One way to get around this is, let's say you've got three properties and you've got three kids. Well, you've got two options. You could gift a third of each property to each child. So in essence, all three of them own each of the three properties together collectively. But then you've got this issue that we've just described, where what happens if one wants to buy each other out and, you know, it doesn't quite work. And what I mean by that is each child has a bit more to think about. You know, a secondary option, let's say those three properties are of equal value, then you could gift one property to each child. Now, this is in the instance where, hey, things are all structured perfectly and there actually are three kids and there's three properties. But this is one way to think through how you are going to structure your affairs if you are aiming for that generational wealth, if you are looking to pass something on to your kids, because that means that there's going to be fewer issues with Bright Line and they're not going to have to start buying the properties off each other if you structure it really nicely. And it just means they've got you know something else not to think about. But one thing that I just want to pick up on what you said before when you were taking us through your numbers, Andrew, that a lot of people wouldn't have thought about, which is in essence, the Bright Line tax, even though it's not a tax, it's a test, it's secretly got more expensive. It's secretly gone up. Just walk us through what we mean by that. 
Well, what isn't a secret is that there's been a higher tax rate now being 39% for anyone earning 180k or more. And remember in New Zealand, we've got this tiered tax system. So you've got different groups of income which are taxed at different rates depending on what you earn. So if we use the 33% tax rate for calculating Brightline, which would be quite commonly done, then the numbers look different. So let's say an average earner of 70k and you bought a house for 700k, over the last year it's gone up by 35%, so it's now worth 945k and you sell it and take the 245k as profit. Again, not factoring in sales costs. So before these changes came into place, then you were on the top tax rate and so you paid 80,850k in tax. So you'd cry yourself to sleep and you'd carry on. Now, the first 110 is subject to 33% tax bracket, being 36,300. The rest, 135k, is subject to 39% tax, which is $52,650. So the total tax in that example is $88,950,000. And effective tax rate on that money is 36.3% if you blend it out. So that's 8,100 more than under the previous rules before the tax rate went up. So you might not be feeling that you've earned the top tax rate of money and you're rolling in it, but your tax is if you are. So you might think, hey, I'm not one of these rich people, <laughs> but you know, you might think, oh, I'm just earning an average wage. But then if you sell your property within 10 years, then you might be taxed as if you are one of these rich people in such a way that you are paying that top tax rate. And I think that's something that's going to really surprise people. And and I don't want to say unintended consequence of adding in the 39% tax bracket, but it is going to mean that people's capital gains, if you're selling within that period, are going to be taxed at a much higher rate. Because even if you think about you sell your property for an extra 100 k and it's being taxed at that higher rate, that's an extra $6,000 you're going to pay towards tax. And you might be an average earner thinking six k is a lot of money, and it is. You know, you're just going to want to think about these things really closely, I guess, because bright line questions or thoughts, you know, having to think about this is going to become so much more prevalent than it has been in the past. And I'll tell you why in a second. But also it's becoming more expensive. This is one of the most expensive capital gains taxes in the world, really, when you think about it. Over in Australia, you get half your capital gains for free and pay the rest as income. I believe I'm going to speak off the top of my head and then I'm going to be corrected by somebody on the text machine. But I believe the US and many other states as well tax capital gains at a much lower rate. I think about 15% from memory. Though I think I could 15%, be wrong on that. yeah, that's right. You know, and so here at the maximum, you're paying 39% on your capital gains. Boy, oh boy, this is tough. You know, you want to be thinking about how to sell outside of the bright line test so you don't have to pay tax on your capital gains. But I tell you what, let's talk about how prevalent actually is the bright line test right now. How many people actually pay it? Far fewer than I thought, actually. So in the second quarter of 2021, only 3%. So one in 33 property sales actually came under the bright line test according to core logic. So of course, many of those might have been owner-occupier sales, so they're exempt. Also inheritance, those aren't taxed, those are exempt as well. But then you've still got property investors who have sold their properties. Well, between 10 to 15% of property investors were impacted by the bright line in that second quarter of 2021. So that's between April and June. So really interesting that, you know, somewhere between 85 to 90% of investors weren't paying that. 
Well, let me ask you, Andrew, why might that number be so low? Because it does feel really low. Yeah, it does. I was actually surprised when I saw this as well. But I guess we do expect the numbers to be relatively low at this stage because when the Brightline test was brought in by National originally, it was a two-year Brightline test and that was from 2015 to 2018. So that test has expired. That's already passed now. So any properties bought within there are already outside of Brightline. And properties that are under the Brightline from 2018 onwards, there's only a small proportion of properties that will have been sold on the market now which are subject to Brightline. And obviously, this is going to change and becoming a growing number of properties as time carries on, particularly now with a 10-year Brightline test for existing properties. But it also shows us that investors probably plan to sell their properties outside of tax periods. So if possible, and certainly while I'm doing portfolio analyses with property investors, what I'll do is I'll say, okay, well, which ones are outside of Brightline? Those would be the ones that we'd want to target first for sale if we're selling anything, because the other ones, you know, we might only have a couple more years and then they're outside as well. And what's really interesting actually Andrew looking at the stats as well is 85% of investors who are subject to bright line and need to pay that bright line they pay it 85% of people 12% of people will pay it once they're reminded by the IRD and 3% <laughs> of people need following up for debt enforcement. So what that says to me is that there are some investors out there that didn't know they had to pay it. So, you know, those 12% of people who paid it once they were reminded, I don't think that those are, I mean, there'll be some people who are cheeky like you, Andrew, and are like, oh, we'll just see if the IRD kills me or not. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't going to say, not like me, I pay it because I have to pay so much tax as it is, I just go ahead and do it. But yeah, I was about to say that I think that there will definitely be people that will say, I'll just wait for the letter and I'll just hold on to that money in the meantime. But I also think there's probably a lot of investors who just didn't know about it, didn't realise they had to pay it. And oh, so I chestnut. do think, I, well, I do think that you have to think about this because sometimes, you know, it's easy to forget it because we don't have a, a, a proper CGT here in New Zealand, even though the tax rate is so astronomically high. But you do need to think about this, I suppose, is the key message. Now, those numbers are quite low, as we said, in terms of how many people actually have to pay it, only 3% of sales. But I just want to talk about that. This is going to increase significantly in the future. It's going to become more and more of an issue because the bright line test now for people purchasing existing properties is 10 years now, the average hold time for all people across the country and across all buyer types is seven and a half years. So the average person, if they continue to hold as they have in the past, they are going to be subject to that. Well, you know, two things are going to happen. Either some investors will decide that they're going to hold for longer to get outside of that. But some at the same time are still going to sell because their personal circumstances dictate that they need to. And of course, there has been a change in the main home exemption as well. So let's say you rent out your property for 10% of the time you own it and the rest of the time, 90% you live in it. Well, 10% of the gains are going to be taxed. And so more and more properties are going to be subject to the bright line test. That compares to now, before those changes came in, you had to live in the property for at least 50% of the time. And if that happens then or gravy you didn't have to pay any bright line even if you rented out for 40% of the time you owned it so you know I do expect more people to be subject to this and so you're going to have to think about this as a person owning property whether as an owner occupier or as an investor and I think one other thing that might be quite interesting Andrew is this might cause more owner occupiers to become investors even if they intended to sell something so what I mean by that is let's say that you've already rented it out for a little bit of time for whatever reason because 
maybe you've moved in with your boyfriend or you've had <laughs> to move had out. One. Or you've had to <laughs> kept him a secret. That's a joke, everybody, just so you know. Kelly, <laughs> if you're listening to this, <laughs> mum, didn't mean to tell you in this way. That's so terrible. I'm going to get it's hate good. mail. I can hear the hate mail coming now. And, no, um, people will love it. No, because you shouldn't joke about these things. But um, what was I talking about? Change in circumstance. Oh, you've had a change in circumstance, so you've rented this property out for a little bit and then you moved back in or whatever it happens. I expect that people will hold on to properties longer than they otherwise would have, you know, even if they intended to sell it because they don't want to be taxed by this, whereas under the previous rules, perhaps they wouldn't have. So, you know, these are really interesting things to think about. But look, keep an eye on Brightline is the main thing to think about. And all good Jan slash yarn, you know, if you inherit a property or your friend does, sweet, no Brightline test. but just have to think about purchasing that off their siblings or somebody else who they've inherited it with. So cool things to think about. And actually, that was true for an investor that I work with, who's also my mother-in-law. They inherited a couple of properties from their mother and her and her sister were trying to figure out what to do. And Helen was actually going to buy her sister out and then hold them for another year. And then I explained, actually, that part's going to be subject to bright line. So what they've decided to do is better to just sell them within the trust and then get the money, distribute the funds and then just invest herself so that she can choose properties that are appropriate for her and just be subject to her bright line requirements. Perfect. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about how to respond to these debt to income ratios and formulate a plan to continue investing on your merry way, come along to our next webinar. It's happening on Tuesday, the 16th of November at 7pm. We're going to talk all about it. And how do you come along to that for free? Tap or swipe over the cover up, link in there, or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. You'll be able to sign up. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we'll be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most after you see on the property market. Until next time.